Good afternoon to all of you. Gabe DeArmond here on PowerMizzou.com. The 573 Report, which is what we do every Wednesday. We change the time just to keep you on your toes, see if you're paying attention. Uh, but we are here uh, on Wednesday afternoon. Mitchell Forty will pop on your screen momentarily. I first want to tell you about 573Ts, which is our presenting sponsor of this show since its origin, a grand total of like, I don't know, a year and a half ago, something like that. But they've been with us since day one doing phenomenal work. 573Ts, literally something happens related to sports in the state of Missouri. And they have new t-shirts out within three, four hours. A number of t-shirts out off Sunday's Chiefs-Bills game. Uh, a lot of Grim Reaper shirts that you can check out there. Uh, a lot of great work by the guys down at 573 Tees. I plan to buy probably all of them sometime in the next uh, six days or so. Um, would encourage you guys all to do the same. If that's not your flavor, if you'd rather have the Blues or Mizzou or Eli Drinkwitz gear, uh, NIL gear from Missouri athletes, you can do that. Chad Bailey has teamed up with them on a, a charity t-shirt. A lot of stuff over there, 573TEES.com, or you can visit the physical location I actually walked by today between 9th and 10th Street on Alley A in downtown Columbia. So please support them, check them out, buy all of your clothing there. You might need to buy two or three. It's a little bit chilly in the state of Missouri right now, but if you layer enough t-shirts, you don't even need sleeves. So go get all your clothes at 573tees.com. We bring Mitchell Forty in now, and uh, Mitch, I was pitching the Grim Reaper gear. So we have a choice here. For the next 30 minutes, we can either discuss the greatest football game ever played, or we can... Talk about how Missouri had Auburn beat for 39 minutes and 25 seconds, and they were going to beat the number one team in the country for the first time in 25 years until they weren't. Yeah, I'll, we'll save the talk of the the Chiefs game for I don't know. You you could just like do your own pod or something, <laughs> right? Or just for talk my own for my own for, personal for enjoyment. While. Yeah, you can you can just like record yourself talking and then listen back to it. I like that. That would be the best form for that. I don't even have that much to add. Uh, so instead, we'll probably talk about Mizzou. I am curious how how many how many five seven three T's do you think it would take to not be cold right now? Like I would say you'd have to buy at least at least thirty. This morning, I agree 30 would have been right. I actually just walked my dog about an hour ago, and it's not bad. It's amazing after four days. Of, like, I was walking into Mizzou Arena last night, and I thought there was a legitimate chance I would die. I had, <laughs> I was wearing a shirt, a coat, stocking cap, gloves, and I thought I might die because it was so cold. But uh, this afternoon, I mean, it's a solid 30 degrees and and it felt pretty good outside. So um I was I was happy with that. I think you could get by with six five seven three T's right now. Well by 30 just to be safe. Do that. Uh they like it when uh when business spikes after we do a show. So um I, look this is a show looking back on a game that happened last night. We'll talk about some other stuff. If questions, and do want to invite you guys, uh, if you have questions, comments, put them in the in the queue. We'll get to them uh, as the show goes on. Even if you don't have questions or comments, if you're hanging out here with us, being degenerates, not doing your jobs, hit the like button, subscribe to the channel, do those things that help us out, um, and we would appreciate that. But it is a show now looking back on a game that happened 24 hours ago. I want to be clear, none of what I'm personally going to say is hindsight over the next 20 minutes. 
because I tweeted with 24 seconds left, why is Missouri not fouling? Like, I feel like there are other things that happened in that game, but really that's the only that's the only thing that matters to me is what the hell was Missouri doing in the last 35.4 seconds of the game? Yeah, and no, I mean, we were sitting right next to each other, and we were both saying that as it unfolded. It's like, oh my gosh, are they really not going to foul? What are they doing? So yeah, I, I think it's unfortunate because – even if Missouri had lost that game and that like they probably would have, they would have given themselves a better chance. I believe had they fouled, but they probably would have lost. The narrative would have been, man, this team's really gotten better. Two weeks ago, they got blown off the floor against Arkansas and they almost beat the number one team in the country and it'll push them better than anyone else in the sec has. Maybe, maybe this thing really is moving in the right direction. Instead it became Mizzou's players didn't get a chance to finish off, you know, a really good performance by them because the coach never let them get the ball back in their hands. And, you know, that was obviously your column and I agreed with it completely. It just, it, it, it didn't make any sense. You know, even under normal circumstances, I think it's too risky. I think you need to extend the game. And I think most coaches do, you see them because especially when you don't have time, no time, any timeouts, which Missouri didn't, the the a bit, you know the difficulty of going the length of the floor in anywhere between four and six seconds, which would have been generous because it's always going to take a second for the ball to get off the rim. That's hard to do. But when the other team has literally grabbed two thirds of their own misses in the half, like what do you expect is going to happen? Also, like you introduce the uh, the the possibility, like the two worst case scenarios there are Auburn hits a three to make it a four point game, and Mizzou never gets the ball back because Auburn gets its own miss. Both are in play if you don't foul. Neither is really in play if you do. Obviously, I guess they could miss it, uh, you know, rebound their own miss free throw, but they shouldn't have two guys up there. They should have people back. So I, I yeah, I can't get behind the decision. Now, and, and I want to be clear here. Um, you agreed with my column because you basically told me to write it. Um, as soon yeah. as the, like, as soon as the buzzer sounded and for some people are interested in this type of stuff, some aren't, but like when you're covering a game, basically you kind of formulate some ideas. All right, look, I'd like to kind of maybe start being able to get some ideas and write something before this game's over. So I don't leave here at 2 AM. So, you know, I, I told Mitchell at halftime, I said, all right, if they win, I'm going to write the, Hey, you know, I was here 25 years ago when they beat a number one team, and that was the last time, and now I'm here again, and all these students are here, and I don't know if it turns around the season, but it was kind of cool that it was a night that kind of reminded me of some other nights. And then if they lose, I'm going to write, you know, um, like, they fought. It's there sometimes. Why can't it be there more often? You know, why did this team get run off the floor by Liberty and, and UMKC and stuff? And then literally the last possession plays out, the ball rolls out of bounds, the buzzer sounds, and you turn to me and goes, well, your column just got easy. I know what you're writing. You know, and like you have to because people will – and I haven't actually gotten much blowback on it. Most of the, the replies I've gotten have been, yep, spot on, but – there will be people that are out there that are saying, why do you have to focus on the 25 seconds where they didn't play well when they just took the number one team in the country to the end and blah, blah. And you're right, that should have been the story. But that's just not the story. I mean, you can't... That that game was the last 35 seconds. That's it. Yeah. Um, and And... To me, the coach's job always... And I thought Javon Pickett was real clear. He said hey, they can't go rebound for us, right? They put in the game plan, and he's right. They can't make a three. They can't box out. 
They can't be seven foot one like Walker Kessler is. They can't actually go out there and make the plays, and we all understand that. But the job of a coach is to give his kids the best chance to win, and he just didn't do it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think there are a lot of times where sports fans really do fixate on like the one or two things, especially, you know, in a case like this where like, let's be honest, there is a segment of the fan base that believes Godzilla Barton should be fired regardless. Like no matter what happens, they want him gone. And so they're going to use means to justify that. And so like, no matter how it would have played out last night, there would have been people saying, uh, well, I guess not if they won, but you know, no matter how they would have lost, if, if no matter how, even if they, he had fouled or how it would have played out at the end, you would have had people upset about it. And so there are times when I say, look, you know, you you have to understand, like, this team's less talented. Like, they push Alabama on the road. I get that it didn't go the way you wanted. But I think think you have to give them credit for for improving some. And eventually they need to win one of some of these games. But, you know, whatever. But last night when he – it's so clearly a one-point game, obviously, as close as it can get. And it's so clearly one thing. And it's it's similar, like, to, you know, Brandon Staley and the Chargers when, like, you're like – you can look at it and say, if – that one fourth down or those three fourth downs, if you had just kicked a field goal, one of them, your team would want, it's so easy to point back at that one decision. And, and, you know, as a coach, you just, you need to try to not find yourself in the position where, you know, you, you put yourself one decision can, can make or break the game like that. And you just, you don't even put it in your players' hands. And, and I want to be clear. And I just put the, the comment from Phoenix night flame on the screen because I, it was kind of where I was going. There are other things that could have changed that game, right? And and he said, hey, the final 90 seconds were a mix of referee and coaching mistakes. Auburn's final two buckets shouldn't have counted, but Martin needs to have them foul if only to guarantee the getting the ball back. And the, the first basket by Katie Johnson that gave Auburn a 52-51 lead, it should have counted. It should have been 52-51. Now, the debate is, should a foul have been called on Boogie Coleman that gave them the free throw? I didn't really think so. I I could live with that call. To me, and everybody was fixated on that call last night. To me, the egregious one was the one that put Auburn up 55-51, where I could, and, and people may not know where we sit. Like, we don't have good seats at the game. And I could tell from where we sit, KD Johnson just moved both feet standing under the basket and and it counted, that's the one that I think Missouri fans should be pissed off about because it should have still been 53-51 on the possession where Javon Pickett ends up hitting a three. And now, I'm not saying that he still hits that shot and they lead by one and they win. Who knows how it plays out after that? But they should have had the ball down two rather than down four. Yeah, I mean, the one nature of a one-point game, you can point to a bunch of stuff. But yeah, it's not even just those two, but I mean, you know, we were both talking... it was really close whether or not Katie Johnson got that shot up on that last possession or whether it could have been a shot clock violation, which actually then is great for Missouri because you have a chance to run an inbounds play and get a running start with five and a half seconds left. Um, and then also, you know, I saw people talk about potential over the back call on Walker Kessler. I Watching it live, I certainly didn't see it. I, I, I don't think you're going to get that call in that situation, but sure, maybe you can make the argument. Although, I mean, he's just like, you know, he's – He's 9-4. He, so, yeah. he can reach right over him without actually really touching him. But, yeah, like, it, it's tough. It, it's just it's tough to swallow when you, when you get that close and you know you're not going to have that many of those chances. And that's kind of the pinnacle of the season because you know you're not, you know, going to the postseason um, to, to have it all, all you know, come come up that short. And, and I think the point of what Phoenix Nightflame is saying, and, and I agree with this, and it's why – Look, there are times where a call changes a game. There's no question. 
there are times where an officiating call changes the outcome of a game. But his point, and and I fully agree with this, is Conzo Martin can't control the officials. He can't control whether they call that travel, whether they call the foul on Boogie Coleman. Can't control this, can't control that. He could fully control whether his team never touched the ball or maybe got as many as three possessions in the last 30 seconds. And he didn't do it. Um, I mean, he did do it. it, it he just chose zero instead of instead of the other ones. And it, hey, like I will be the first to admit it, the only the only like analogy I've come up with in sports, and I don't know if this is perfect or not. Maybe you think this is stupid, or you've got something that works better. But the only thing that's come to my mind is, okay, you've got a four point lead, and the other team has driven down to your three-yard line or your two-yard line, they've got 40 seconds left and you've got all three timeouts. I mean, you can sit there and let them run their plays and try to stop them. And sometimes it works, like it did for Eli Drinkwitz against LSU last year. The actual smarter play is to let them score on first down so that you have some chance to go beat them. Um, now, I mean, look, it's not always going to work, but if I'm watching a game, that's what I want my coach to do. And it, nothing is guaranteed to work, which is why I wanted to stress at the beginning, this isn't hindsight. This is what we both said at the moment. So you can second guess anything. And Gary Pinkle was, was famous for saying, well, it was a great call because it worked, or it was a terrible call because it didn't. And that's part of it. But I think a coach's job is to go with what logic tells you is more likely to work. And that doesn't mean it's always going to work. Um, but even if we're talking 20% versus 5%, 20 is more than five. You go with the 20. Yeah, exactly. And, and like I said earlier, I, it, yeah, it probably wouldn't have, there's a good chance over 50% that it wouldn't have worked to foul Mizzou still probably would have lost. No one would have, or at least no one worth listening to would have gotten on here or on the internet or whatever afterwards and said, they managed that the wrong way. They should have played it straight up. It would have just, you know, it would have been because Auburn made one more play and they're the best team in the country. And, you know, they have a bunch of tall dudes who can get rebounds better than Missouri. You know, it happens, whatever. Ultimately, like, the shame of it is, like you're saying, it really isn't that big a deal that they lost a one-point game to the number one team in the country, right? I mean, I'm actually a little more concerned if I'm an Auburn fan this morning going, yo, like, that's not a real good team. And mm. the supposed best player in the country was two for 15. And we needed KG, Katie Johnson, the shortest guy on the roster, to take over in a game where... Like, we were just bigger at every possession. What the hell happened there? Because Auburn's got national title goals. We're talking about, for Missouri, we're talking about, I don't know, are you 8-11 and 11 or are you 9-10? and 10? It ultimately doesn't really matter. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I feel like this is kind of a thing where it's like, oh, there's actually a point of controversy or something we can talk about in a season that otherwise has just been, yeah, I don't know, they play. Let's get through this one and go to the next one. For sure, for sure. And it was, you know, a little bit bigger of a spotlight than we've had in a while because some people showed up and, yeah, it was you know, number one team in the country. And and I do think that there are ramifications, right? Like, I mean, if, if Missouri wins that game, 
I mean, Gonzo Martin's coming back next season. I see almost no way otherwise. You know, you beat the number one team in the country. I think you can you can absolve a lot of the the blame from earlier in the season. Um, as it is now, I think that you know we still have to obviously let this thing play out. But yeah, I mean, a, a couple points. One, um, yeah, I do think it, it is somewhat of a, a symptomatic of just you know not a lot else going on right now. So we seize on that. Uh, two, onto the point about Auburn, Jabari Smith. I mean, like I'm I'm not an NBA scout and I've not watched him play much other this year. But like if if I after seeing last night, if I have the number one pick, I'm I'm not taking that kid. I'm sorry, he might be a very good pro player. He looked to me like a you know a six ten shooting guard who didn't shoot very well. Um, so yeah, Auburn's a good team. They're a very good defensive team, but you know, the, the fact that, that Missouri pushed them and I know that they, they were in a, a classic letdown spot, but the fact that Missouri pushed them like it did, I don't know that anything can happen in college basketball. I was not incredibly impressed. Yeah. And, and I, also I think it's worth saying about this, uh, you know, Missouri is in the middle of a stretch that we kind of saw coming. Right, I mean, at Alabama, frankly, I was shocked Missouri led that game. I I thought Alabama would come out pissed off about what Missouri did to him in Columbia and play well and kind of lead that game to wire to wire, and they didn't. Oh, by the way, they lost to Georgia last night. We're finding out Nate Oates just his team just isn't all that good. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they they lose at home to Auburn, which we always expected. They're at Iowa State on Saturday. They could win that game. I don't think it's impossible. I don't think Iowa State's a great team, but Hilton Coliseum on the road, they're probably favored. So we always kind of thought there were going to be three losses there. But I looked at the rest of the schedule last night. I mean, after Iowa State, they've got a game against A&M, a game against LSU, and a game against Tennessee. And other than that, They've kind of got a lot of games that if they play the way they've played the last couple weeks, they've really got a shot to win pretty much every one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think where we're at is, you know, this team's definitely shown progress, right? I mean, they, you know, two weeks ago, they lost by 40 something and they, they the first, I don't know, however many, like six times or whatever they played like a legit top 40 ish team. They got blown off the floor and they've been close to winning a couple of these. So it's good. They've shown progress, but you have to actually take the next step and win some, especially as the competition level um, ramps up. It's not going to be enough to say, well, we led for 35 minutes and came close and that's a step in the right direction. And we're all really growing together. Like it's, you know, down the stretch here, it's going to have to translate to some wins, which, you know, captain obvious moment. (laughs) Right. Well, like the, the old saying, right. Horseshoes and hand grenades. If you're close in those, you're great. If you're close in basketball, nobody cares. If you're 11 and 21, you're 11 and 21, and and I don't really care how many times you come close. Um, want to get to? We've got a few comments and, and questions, and and want to address them. Uh, Darren says, "Great effort last night, playing much better." Auburn has three point guards, all transfers. We don't have one who is ready to play at this level, and. I'm going to kind of play off something Conzo Martin said last night. You know, he said they, they kind of had trouble uh, in the last few minutes guarding KD Johnson, and he said, I'm not going to name any names. So I also will not name names. But Missouri has guys who bring the ball across midcourt, and I don't know how to say this nicely, so I'll just say what I asked you during the game last night. I'm not sure they understand what the line in the middle of the court means because it's like they cross it and just stop. And, it, it, like, 
I want to be clear. There is zero chance Conzo Martin is telling them to do that, right? In fact, he has said after games, we can't run our offense if we pick the dribble up, you know, two feet across midcourt. And yet, here we are about 50% yeah. of the time. No, I, I mean, there are a lot of issues with this team, but I think that absolute number one with a bullet is the lack of a point guard, the lack of someone who's just comfortable handling the ball. Um, you know, Bookie Coleman, I, I, he's been playing better, and I'm starting to see where, okay, you know, I can see some of the stuff he did at Ball State, and I can see how he would be good in a scoring, you know, off-the-ball combo guard-type role. But, you know, if it, it's very simple, really, for opponents. If you just put some three-quarter court pressure on Missouri's ball handlers, like, they can't run an offense because it takes them 20 seconds to, to get down there, and they have to, you know, bring Kobe Brown out to 25 feet away from the basket and get him the ball, and that brings him out of the post. It's it's a mess and there's just no one who's who's capable of like you know if someone comes up and pressures them maybe blowing by them and and it turning into a lamp and making them pay and pay or just being comfortable handling the ball against pressure um so yeah i mean that's been an issue all season and it was on display again last night yeah i, I think number one problem is point guard number two problem is having nobody bigger than six eight number three problem is having nobody that can shoot other than that mrs lincoln you know how was the play um yeah and, and we, we saw, saw the size thing you know second game in a row where the the other team basically in the second half was just like oh if we just like you know try to get all the shots that we miss we could just you know put it back in it's not that hard so yeah second halves the last two games they've been out rebounded a ton yeah um the magic man says kudos to the players and the coach for a great game plan and to heck with all the other nonsense and look i want to be clear that's great. If you're just happy with, hey, I watched my team and they tried hard, cool. Like, I'm not here to tell you how to watch games. There's a reason they keep score, man. <laughs> and, and your team didn't have as many, and your team had every shot to have as many. But if that's, like, if that's what you take out of that game, that's fantastic for you. You probably have a better outlook on watching your team than I have on watching my teams. Yeah, I, I, I would say with confidence that attitude is not shared by the majority of people who inhabit our website. <laughs> fair, uh, fair statement. Um, all right, uh, Fresh TL says, Chris Mack buyout has been negotiated down from $12 million to $4.8. He's officially done. Uh, Mizzou should be able to negotiate Conzo's buyout down, right? Um, so, look, I'm not going to pretend to be intimately familiar with Chris Mack's contract. Uh, Mitch, I know you're from Louisville. Your dad is, still is there. I know your dad wrote something about Chris Mack this morning. I assume he's been fired at this point. I know Louisville's uh, trustees were meeting at four. I haven't seen the official word, but it, it seemed that's the way it was going. But there seemed to me to be something beyond just, hey, he lost basketball games at Louisville. Like, I know there was like a recording of Dino Gaudio, and Dino Gaudio was uh, suing Louisville, and Louisville seemed to think they had reason that, hey, we're not going to have to pay Chris Mack all this money. Yeah, I'm not intimately familiar with the case or the details or whatever, but basically there was there was a, a chance that Louisville was going to be able to fire Chris Mack for cause. There was, yeah, extortion issues between Dino Gaudio and Chris Mack, and uh, basically I think, you know, the Mac camp said in the event that you can win that lawsuit, it's not really worth it. We don't want to be tied up in court. Our guy probably wants to go get another job. Five million is close enough to, you know, 12 because I'm young enough, young and got to work again, whatever. Let's just get out of here. This is a disaster. I don't think that Missouri would have that option in Consul Martin's case because there is absolutely nothing to my knowledge. You could potentially fire him for calls. 
Yeah. It, it, so, look, if it comes to that, and we're a long way from that, I, I don't know. Honestly, if I had to guess today, I think he's probably going to be the coach here next year. But it's, it's purely a guess, just based on the way they've been playing, the way I think the rest of the season will go and all that. But And I could 100% be wrong, and, and that's fine. If, if I am, whatever, we'll cover what happens. But um, it, it, they're not similar situations. I also think, like, yeah, if it comes to that and Missouri's looking for a coach, I would – have Chris Mack on speed dial. Like, I know it didn't work at Louisville, but let's also be real clear about something. If Chris Mack had won 24 games each of the last three years at Louisville, they're not really worried about extortion with Dino Gaudio, right? No, no chance. No, Chris, I mean, Louisville was a, a disaster of a situation to, to walk into. Uh, if you have, if you need an idea of what the, the climate there is, the, the president left to another school and the AD left to just going back into private business because it was too terrible of a job in both in the last few months. Um, obviously, you've still got the threat of NCAA sanctions looming over the program. So that makes it you know even more difficult to hire a new coach. But I mean, you were following you're you're following Rick Pitino and trying to recruit with the NCAA stuff over your head. Like, I, I don't know that and obviously instability within the athletic department. I don't know that a lot of coaches would have been able to do a good job there. I think Chris Mack showed enough at, at Xavier to know that he is capable of you know being a, a very good basketball coach. And he wasn't terrible at Louisville. I mean, they were ranked number one in the country a couple of years ago. The, the team, you know, there's clearly some locker room issues right now. It seems like the team's kind of quit on him. But uh, I think that he would definitely be on the short list if for some reason Missouri finds itself in that position. Yeah, I, I just, you know, every fan base seems to think, like, my school has it worse and crazier stuff happens here than happens anywhere else. I mean, Louisville, no. They've seen some stuff the last few years, man. I mean, it, that, that, that just, that's just being honest. Let's finish it up. Uh, AU Stock says, uh, are there recruits in the pipeline to give men's basketball hope for next year? So here's kind of where I think it's it's a fair ending point Like to, to talk a little bit about. Um, I mean, look, Aiden Shaw will play next year. Um, how big an impact player he is, I don't know. He'll play. Um, he'll see the court. I think, like, it, do you think it's fair to say Trevon Brazil-ish impact, hopefully? It, yeah, I think that that would be hope, yes. Um, I, I think that there's reason to be excited about Aiden Shaw. I think he has a really high ceiling. I think he's a really good athlete. I think that because of his rating, some people are getting a little more excited about him than they maybe should. And this is... I could be wrong. I'm not a scout. Uh, this is my informed opinion. Um, I think that if you, if it comes down to it and like, you know, the, it, it comes down to that being the reason whether or not you stick with this coaching staff or not is like, Oh, well we might lose this, this, you know, four-star recruit. I don't think that's a good enough reason to try to run it back because I don't think he is someone who's going to make a huge instant impact next season. I think in best, best case scenario, he's playing, you know, something like 20 minutes a game and is playing good defense and can give you, you know, like something like, I don't know, eight points and four rebounds a night. Yeah, and, and Christian Jones, by all accounts, by from what I hear, like, no, he's not starting day one at point guard. And that doesn't, like, that's not a terrible thing. You know, like, mm -hmm. I, I want to be clear, Lawrence Bowers played like three minutes a game as a freshman. And he's an all-time fan favorite. Like, and played really well. So, 
Just because you're not a star year one doesn't mean you're not a really good player. So nothing about saying Christian Jones is not running this team next year means that Christian Jones won't be a good player. That's not the case. But if you're talking about instant impact, and and to me, this is what this all comes down to at the end of the year. He just remade this roster. I, I mean, I think it's fair to say we don't expect Jordan Wilmore back next year at this point, right? Like, I, I mean, yeah. look, if he's back, great for him. We're not trying to chase him out, but he didn't suit up last night. And Conzo said he was hurt, but he's fine, which was, I don't know, that's a weird answer. That's actually, that's actually the standard. That would be weird for anyone else, but it's pretty much the standard Conzo Martin answer. Like, I don't know, someone told me he was hurt. I don't really care. He's he's alive. Uh, so, I don't really know why he didn't play. I did specifically ask and didn't really get anything that, approach an answer and didn't find it important enough to write about but um so point being I you've got a spot or two but the optimism here is well again if we can just get a point guard and then maybe get a big guy and maybe get a shooter and oh by the way hold on to all of our guys and they all get better next year like maybe we're a tournament team and I don't know I mean there's going to be a decision to make at the end of the year. And I think they're going to be in a very similar situation to where Jim Sterk was when he fired Barry Odom. And that is, I can make an argument both ways. And I think I can make a good argument both ways. And I don't have any idea what they'll do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I mean, I definitely think that, you know, with it seems very likely to me that, yeah, you need to add a point guard at a minimum and probably an impact big as well to to compete next year. And it's like, do you do you trust this staff to do that after they kind of whiffed on that front last year? So we will see. And and let's be clear, it's not our decision. We'll just cover it. <laughs> like, you know, whatever happens, happens. But you're burying your head in the sand if you think there's no decision to be made. And again, decision could have been made a lot easier last night and it wasn't and that's the way it goes so um yeah i don't know they play some more games and uh i don't know we'll talk about it next week i guess huh mitch yeah that's the <laughs> usual we'll be back talking about something all right have a good one man thanks all right appreciate mitchell joining us appreciate all you guys hanging out with us for uh you know half an hour or so here on a wednesday afternoon be back next wednesday afternoon we do this every single week the 573 report, we will be, uh, you know, gearing up towards spring football. I might force Mitchell to talk about the uh, Chiefs-Rams Super Bowl that's going to be uh, coming next Wednesday. Uh, they won't play it next Wednesday. We'll just talk about it. Um, but whatever. We'll talk about whatever happens. You know, some uh, signing day coming up, all that. So we'll have plenty of stuff. We always do. Uh, speaking of plenty of stuff, always encourage you to go to 573-TEES.com. Or you can go downtown Columbia to the physical location. It is in Alley A between 9th and 10th Street. Check them out. Um, give them your business. You need t-shirts. Everybody needs t-shirts. You're a Chiefs fan. You're a Royals fan. You're a Cardinals fan. You're a Mizzou fan. Whatever. They've got every flavor. It, I've got a Shakespeare shirt from 573 T. So anything you want, you go check out there. Please go do that. Support them. Uh, let them know you found out about it on the 573 report here on PowerMizzou.com. Once again, thank you guys for hanging out. Before you leave, maybe hit the like button, hit the subscribe button on the channel. Those things help us out. If you're listening on the podcast, which we will post here momentarily, 
you know, leave us a nice review, say good things, say we're very knowledgeable and handsome and intelligent, all that. Don't say bad things. Bad thing. Well, I don't know. Say bad things. I feel like even that spreads the word a little bit, but we would prefer you say good things. So thanks for joining us. We will talk to you next week.